Happy Saturday, everyone. How's your weekend going? Well, it's about to get a bit gloomier because I've got the king of gloom. It's Calvin Robinson. I hope you won't mind me describing him that way. It's just that he's often seen as a presenter on GB News being quite sardonic, not angry, but arguing with all sorts of people. He's very well known for his anti-woke stance. He's a political commentator, journalist, policy advisor, and also a former teacher and a video games journalist. You didn't expect that, did you? He's got many strings to his bow. He's a very intelligent and interesting person. I'm happy I got to speak to him. And this is another episode that I got to do on the Sean Atwood show that I co-host on Wednesday nights, organized by lovely producer Ash Meikle that they are allowing me to use on my podcast. So do support and check out the Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast for the full two or sometimes four hour shows that we do on there. This is just like one segment of that. Calvin and I, that's Calvin Robinson, today's guest, agree on many, many issues around woke culture and victim signalling and virtue signalling and all that kind of thing that's taken hold of the cultural zeitgeist of today. He's definitely quite a lot more conservative than me, however, so there are places where we disagree, and one of them is that he's a devout Christian and promotes those values in some of his journalistic advocacy, and I'm a very secular atheist. So I was going to push him about all of that at the end, where we disagree and I was a bit nervous about it the whole time and then quite suddenly he had to go I wasn't aware because I hadn't arranged it I didn't know when he had to go so I didn't get the opportunity for some feisty and fair debate but perhaps we'll get to do that another time Uh, I am as many of you know an atheist so he and I will diverge on things like abortion and other issues that I believe are influenced by a belief in God or an identity tied up in religion but look there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with people you can still like people love people who hold views in direct contrast to your own curiosity over judgment plurality of opinions is very important. In today's episode, we focus on the places where our views very much align. Calvin's actually a lot of fun to talk to and has a very dry sense of humour. I really enjoyed meeting him and hope to get to do so again. Follow him on Twitter on at Calvin Robinson. Let him know you heard this. Let me know your thoughts on Twitter or, or Instagram at AndrewGold underscore OK and have a lovely weekend. You're on the edge with Calvin Robinson. Oh, golly. So tell us a little bit. Oh, you, you probably weren't watching. We've just had a flat earth debate, which was very, very fiery. Right. Yeah. Where, where, where do you stand on that? Where do I stand on the flat earth debate? <laughs> no one's ever asked me that before. Um, I believe the earth is round. I believe we live on a globe and we are spinning around the sun at a thousand miles per hour. Okay. Is it? Is that the, is that the amount? A thousand? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've probably been told that a hundred times over the last hour, and I don't even remember. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. You, you you were a teacher, I believe, and also a video games journalist, which I didn't know because I've been following you for a while. We follow each other on Twitter, don't we, Calvin? Yes, yes. I was a video games journalist. I have a video games journalism website called godisageek.com. Uh, I don't do very much with it myself these days, but it's still there. still got a great team running things. They review video games before they come out and give them a meter critic rating, that kind of stuff. That's cool. And then you got into teaching and then became a you know a journalist talking about political matters, those kinds of things, yeah. right? Yeah, because while I was teaching, I was writing about the indoctrination that I was seeing in schools. Um, people started asking me about it. And then we got locked down while I was still a teacher. So I was talking about the, the mess that kids are going to be left in. 
uh, as we deserted them. And yeah, people started asking for my opinions, and I started getting invited onto radio and television. Your chat is popping off. You got you got a lot of comments coming in on your chat. That's great to see. Oh, I haven't even been looking actually, which I should I should be doing it, but I've been trying to look at the camera more because um, oh, otherwise I'm looking. I see in the corner of my eye. Ping, 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 ping. It's great. Yeah, we're lo- a bit more people than usual are being active because of the flat earth so stuff. Are and, these and the flat earthers or the people coming to debate the flat earthers? These are both. This, that's the thing with Sean's channel because he's Ooh. got so many subscribers and they're just right. on every side of every debate you can imagine. So you'll get all types. Yeah, don't let them distract you because at some point someone will say something terribly offensive about you or me and you've just got to... <laughs> People are talking about the throw. I see that. Um, no, I, I, you know, you have to have a thick skin in this game, don't you? You have to kind of just brush off the negativity and, and focus on the positivity. Yeah. Do you think you use the word brush because of the throw? And then I, I always want sort of Darren Brown stuff. I'm An accidental that. euphemism, yeah. Exactly. So I suppose we should say the stuff, the indoctrination you're talking about at schools, for those who don't know, because as I say, some are here for flat earth stuff, all different kinds of things. What What is exactly uh, critical race theory? Critical race theory is a American academic theory based on critical theory, which is this this... I mean, it's rooted in neo-Marxism, this idea of looking at the world through a particular lens in order to solve social injustices. The problem arises where you don't look at anything but through that lens. And I don't think that there are that many social injustices in terms of race relations in the West anymore. I think we're quite a equal opportunities nation in Great Britain, and I think America is too, uh, but where, where this idea come from. But, it, but it's essentially no longer asking the question, was this racist? And it's asking the question, how was this racist? And when you start from that premise, it's a, it's a slippery slope, a downward hill, and there's no helping people from there because you're, you're putting people into categories that assumes that racism was going on. So you're saying, okay, you, if you're an ethnic minority, you must be a victim in this situation. If you're a white person, you must be an oppressor and or racist. Uh, how were you being racist? Why were you being racist? Not were you being racist? It's just a divisive, toxic ideology. It was well-intentioned, well-meaning. The people that thought it up were trying to solve a problem. I'm saying that that problem didn't exist. And therefore, if you try to solve a problem that doesn't exist, you end up creating one. And that's what they've done with critical race theory. Well, surely to an extent, racism it has existed and there have been issues, or, or, wouldn't you say? Yeah, of course racism exists. Of course people are nasty about every single uh, element of, of people's immutable characteristics. I'm sure people um, mock hairstyles, facial expressions, uh, skin co- skin colour, every element. When you look at someone, you look at what you can pick on them. When, if you want to be rude or nasty, of course, because human beings are like that. But race, racism as a problem is, is just a problem as any other form of bullying. But we're talking about critical race theory is supposed to be solving racial injustices, societal injustices, such as institutional racism, systemic racism, racism that is wider than just one person picking on another person or one group picking on another group. We're talking about the institutions themselves being set up to discriminate against people based on their race. And we don't see that very often. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying we don't see that very often these days because we have equality under the law. So if an institution is institutionally racist then they're breaking the law and they can be shut down Mm. was this a topic that was um easier or harder for you to get into being yourself of i believe are you mixed race is that is that right yeah yeah i've got white mother black father um um i don't know if it's easier or harder i just feel like you know it's not a topic that i particularly enjoy talking about but i have a duty to talk about it because it's one of those topics that 
because of the Kafka-esque trap that it's set up in, a white person can't necessarily talk about it. I mean, of course, you can't talk about anything, but you'll get mm. shut down by the proponents of CRT because by default, as a white person, you are racist, either subconsciously or overtly. There's no getting out of it. There's no apologizing for it. It's just a fact by their ideology. So for me to speak about it, I have... Um, they give, give me a bit more lee, leeway because I'm brown, but then they're like, sugar, how can we shut him down? So then they say, I'm borrowing white supremacy or I'm temporarily averting my white privilege. They just adapt the whiteness on, onto me because that's the only way they can shut down the debate rather than addressing their own insecurities. Man, you know, I, I had a bit of an experience with this myself because I uh, was used to make documentaries for TV and uh, as, as a sort of uh, Louis Theroux wannabe kind of thing. Ooh. And uh, over the years, every meeting I had, they would say, um, can we take your idea, but we want you to be maybe off screen and we'll have somebody who's from a minority as the presenter on screen. And I was like, well, I'm the journalist. I've actually done all the research and I found all the, I'm like, this is my thing. So I always said, no, I was like, no, no, we're not doing it then. And they would, they would prefer not to do it than to do it with me being white and I, after after years of that i even started to say like you know i'm jewish that's a thing as well that's a minority that just well, it shouldn't matter. you shouldn't have to tick a tokenist oh. box if i am a minority too it's racism if they don't want to use you because you're white they're being racist yeah it was very hurtful actually it was painful to sit in those meetings and say that you know my work wasn't okay because of mm. who i am but then that do you know what i mean i don't want to complain too much because no, you, do. you know why mm. don't no. complain let them let them try and cancel you for being white. We'll all back you up. Don't worry. <laughs> I did think about that. I thought about, oh, I'm going to go and rant about this Lowe's and then maybe try and get a job at GB News or something. But then I did email someone, but it didn't quite happen in the end. But um, yeah, so why are some people more drawn towards uh, believing in, in the tenets of, uh, of, of critical race theory and then some of us are more like, well, hang on, that's not, not right. Well, different reasons. Some people believe in it because they want to make the world a better place and they think this is a good way of doing it. They're incorrect. Some people do it because they want to be seen as good people. You know, the, the virtue signal is, I too have a black square in my Instagram uh, because it's far easier to do that than to go out there and actually do good or be charitable. And then there are people that are just indoctrinated in this ideology that are taught it from childhood in schools, taught that black people are victims, white people are oppressors, and there's nothing you can do about it. And the society is set up to hold you back if you're an ethnic minority, etc. So it's not their fault. And then there are people that it's just convenient for them. People that haven't accomplished whatever they wanted to in life. They haven't reached their goals. They haven't been successful in their own eyes. So it's easier to blame the system, easier to blame the white man, easier to blame the institutions than it is to blame themselves for their lack of personal responsibility. Mm. Does your experience as a teacher inform your opinion on that? Do you feel like uh, black children hearing that, that it's not very motivational for them? Of course it's not. The more you tell people, you know, you're going to be held back, you have hurdles in your way, you cannot achieve success in this country because it is against you. The more someone tells you that, the more you start to believe it. And it's self-perpetuating. That's why it's toxic and divisive because it's splitting people up based on the color of their skin and holding them back because of it. And that's why it's quite a racist ideology, even though it's trying to pervert racism. Do you tie up um, critical race theory with the, the stuff that's being taught in schools about gender? Um, there's a lot of talk, of course, on Twitter uh, about not just CRT, critical race theory, but also um, some of the trans ideology going around at school and some of the things that maybe we think our children are a little bit young to be learning. 
Yeah, it all comes from critical theory. It's all the same thing. It's, it's this neo-Marxist indoctrination of our of our society. And the best way to take over a society is to indoctrinate young people. And that's what they're doing, left, right, and such. This whole, this queer theory, this gender theory, trans theory, they're all in schools and they're all infesting our young minds. The, the, the idea that, you know, I, I saw someone, a teacher, a friend of mine, sent me a lesson plan on, on my way home just now, actually. I was just looking at it. Um, in fact, I'll pull it up because they were saying things like um, the term cisgendered relates to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. So they're teaching about cisgender already. That's that's from a an ideology that isn't scientific. It isn't a fact. It's a theory. It's an opinion. I think we should be teaching basic biology that, you know, male uh, people have X, Y chromosomes and produce sperm. Female people produce XX or XX chromosomes and produce eggs, and together they reproduce to create babies. Adding cis to the gender doesn't really help, in my opinion. Te teaching about heteronormative as if it's a bad thing or derogatory to be heteronormative. Human race would die out without heteronormative attitudes, without men and women procreating together. That is not a bad thing. Now, I'm not saying you cannot promote the idea that there are alternatives or you cannot support people that are homosexual and or feel like they're in the wrong body, these are issues that need addressing. But to suggest that the normative is wrong somehow is subversive and it's, it's trying to tip our society upside down. Hmm. It, does it come from a sense that for decades or centuries that, you know, straight white men, if we go back to race as well as gender and stuff um, and cisgender or whatever that is, um, have sort of been ruling for such a long time and it's sort of a, they're trying to redress the balance? Rule it. What is this ruling? I don't, and I don't understand what this balance is supposed to be. Look, we have equal opportunities. Anyone, white, black, male, female, can go for any job they want. They can succeed if they work hard enough. There is no balance to address. I, you know, if if it happens that there are more straight white males in position of influence, then you know, if you're not a straight white male, go for that job yourself. It's as simple as that. I don't understand why some people need to be dragged down in order to promote other people. No, push everyone up. Yeah, I think one of the most insidious parts of all of this for me is is woke capitalism, the, these big companies, uh, and, and also the actors and stuff. I was thinking about Ricky Gervais when he did that Golden Globe speech, and he was telling uh, these actors, you know, don't get up and tell us about your, you know, your yeah. politics and all that. Get your crappy little want... award. Thank your agent. Yeah. Thank you, God. I'm <laughs> off. Yeah. That, I love that. That's one of my favorite things because these are people, they turn up at like these gala award ceremonies, like, out, you know, they're getting these little gift bags that are more than most people's houses. And they've got things like tax the rich written on their, on their dresses and things. And you just think like, that is, do you know what I mean? Insidious, isn't it? Yeah, but it's simple, isn't it? These people are worshipped. Celebrity culture is toxic. People are idolizing people that haven't done anything except go on screen and pretend to be someone else. They pretend to be important people all day long. So they have to justify that to themselves and to their audience. And the way they do that is pretend or act like they are changing the world. They get up there and lecture us on climate crisis or whatever um, cooktop crisis they want to talk about that week. And that is their way of addressing that imbalance. Mm. Do you think that with these people, and it's always hard to tell, and it's hard to tell, I guess, what anyone's thinking ever. So, you know, but 
these movie stars and stuff, are they secretly going home and going, God, I couldn't give a toss? Or are they or, or are they convincing themselves that they really do believe in this sort of ideology? Yeah, a lot of them are convincing themselves. A lot of them are quite thick and don't understand, to be honest. A lot of them are like, well, of course, yeah, everyone believes that the, the world's going to end if we don't cut carbon emissions by 2050. Or, yeah, of course, everyone knows that black people are oppressed because they're not in the real world. They live in their own bubbles. But a lot of them, don't believe that nonsense a lot of them are just silent because it's easier it's an easier life to be silent and to not stick your head above the parapet because if you do and you're a celebrity you'll get cancelled in the states presumably there there is a an issue with race um and i'm again i'm going off vague bits i've seen on on on, on the internet and stuff but you know that that the police seem to be uh, killing an inordinate amount of black people is that not the case no, it's not the case at all. It's just a nonsense. The, the, the US is much further behind we are in race relations because we have entirely different histories. We didn't have slaves in the UK uh, like they did in America. We didn't have the whole civil rights movement. We didn't need it. Um, not in the same way. But So they've, been, they've taken a little long to catch up. But I do think, for the most part, in America, it doesn't matter what colour your skin is. You can get by just as well as anyone else. Um, there are institutions that are that need a look at i think the police force in america um ha- needs looking at for lots of reasons police brutality is an issue that affects lots of people not just black people but the issue is when you say not you but when people say you know it's a, it's a thing that affects black people then we don't look at the whole issue and we don't look at the whole problem so we can't solve it and we've had that over here as well and that's that's what critical race theory does you know people say black people are are worse off in education because education is a is, is racist you know the education system is institutionally racist and when you say that you're letting down all demographics because if you actually look at the education system in this country there are lots of people that are left behind and do need support some of them include black caribbean kids but some of them also include white british kids and when we just pin it down to race we're messing those out and it actually if we look at the whole bigger picture, we'll see that black African kids are excelling and succeeding far superior to anyone else, uh, including white kids. Um, so it's not about this system being racist. It's about something else. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. Just to pick you up on something, wasn't there? I think there was slavery in the UK, wasn't there? No, we have, we've never had slaves in the UK. Uh, I'm just, I'm sort of reading a bit. Yeah, and we've I'm had slaves very... taken from the UK. So the Barbary slave trade used to go down to the, to the south coast around Cornwall and take English people as slaves. But we've we've not had slavery in this country. 
Huh, that surprises me to learn. And, and well, it's, it's mad that I don't even know that. I mean, in my own country, um, my assumption had always been that we did and that it wasn't because it wasn't quite as uh, uh, large and vast as in the States. I, I guess people would argue about, you know, stuff that happened in Caribbean colonies and stuff might count as a form of slavery. Well, I mean, the problem with slavery is that there, there has always been slavery. There is slavery right now. There's lots of, we call it modern day slavery, but no, there's this frankly, you know, slavery across the continent, the slavery in this country, um, you know, young girls getting abducted and, and, and abused in the sex trade. Um, and we've got slave trade in, in China, you know, sweatshops for Primark and, and Apple. Uh, but if you go back in our history, you'll see that Africans used to sell Africans. Um, you'll see that Arabs used to sell blacks and whites. You, of course, you've seen the transatlantic slave trade that, that whites sold Africans. You'll see that where, however far back in history you go, there were always people that were enslaved. And slavery is wrong, it's, it's abhorrent, it's evil. We should always protect people from slavery, protest against it. But to look at one specific period, the transatlantic slave trade, that horrible 300 years, and suggest that that is the only period that there has ever been slavery and that's the most important period of slavery and and therefore white people are bad and black people are just angels but it doesn't make any sense yes I, I i've actually found it um i find it racist of course you know the other the other way almost when there's that suggestion of uh minorities being these like angels like it becomes quite white man's burden doesn't it and or, or orientalism that kind of thing and there's that for example the way uh which, that we might talk about indigenous people in in, Amer in america like mm. they weren't fighting each other they were all perfect and peaceful until like white yeah. settlers came along i find that really patronizing don't you think yeah it's just racist we see that all the time you know people like Meghan Markle are above reproach because if you criticize her, you are a racist because she's mm. brown. How dare you criticize a brown person? And I find that so condescending because being brown doesn't make you above reproach. It doesn't make you perfect. It just makes you another person. It's just the color of your skin it means nothing or it should mean nothing. And if people make it an issue, they are the racists. Hmm. I can't stand personally, Harry. I've always got to be careful because Sean's followers are so diverse, and I, you know, but I can't stand... Uh, the Prince and Megan or whatever, because also they're starting a podcast and I'm a podcast. Oh, yeah. I've put loads, I've put years of effort into it and they've just popped on. They got like a 20 million or whatever it was. It was, it was million. It was in the millions deal from That's Spotify. Privilege. That's insane. And they've only done one episode so far. It's taken been about a year. And I bet it's going to be dross. I bet it's going to be absolutely shout. You know, they're trying to trademark the word archetypes now or archetypes. <laughs> Or was it was it Archway? Is that what they're called themselves? So Archway is their company, yeah. And then Archetypes or Archetypes is going to be their ser or her series on the issues that women face because, of course, it's going to be based on victimhood mentality and how mm. terrible it's been for her as the most privileged woman in the world. Mm. That is, they are the archetypes of something, definitely. I mean, it is interesting. I, I've 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 done on my on my channel. I interviewed. Um, uh, was it? Oh, it was Will Store about the status game and the types of status we have. And there's, you know, three types. He thinks it's it's dominance, success, and virtue. And in today's world, we can't really get away with that much dominance. People do, and then they get in trouble for it. You don't want to dominate. You don't you don't want to have to dominate people. And then of course, success. Some people are just successful, and they would have gotten more food in the tribe if you'd invented the wheel or whatever. Um, but then virtue. If you can make people believe that you're somebody who shared your food, you're going to get food from other people. So mm -hmm. do you, do you think that's part of it? 
Yeah, very much part of it. This whole virtue signaling claptrap is is quite dangerous because people believe uh, that these are good people, whether they've got the Ukrainian flag in their name today or whether they had a blue heart yesterday or they've got pronouns in their bio or they had a black square on Instagram or they took a knee. Just doing a simple, pathetic little gesture makes you a good person automatically and, and it makes you part of the in-club. Whereas I think actually doing charitable goods, you know, feeding the poor, ho- housing the homeless, um, supporting people with mental health crises, these are the things that we should be celebrating. And th- this is why we're, you know, the celebrity culture, these people that, like I say, the actors get on TV and pretend to be good people all day, they don't actually do anything, yet we're celebrating them as heroes. And our society is upside down because people that are actually doing good stuff people that are solving problems aren't even looked at. The scientists that create vaccines, the inventor of the World Wide Web, for example, these people, Tim Berners-Lee, these people are are barely even known about. Yeah, but we know about like just these random actors. Man, you know what really winds me up is when I go to, because I'm a football fan, I go to Tottenham games. And before each game now, there are about five different uh, virtue signaling causes that everybody has to adhere to. And these are football fans, you know. They just want to escape the the mundanity of their life for just one moment where they don't have to think about politics, don't have to think about what divides us or what they believe in. They can just watch, like people kick a ball around and you're going and it's like there's the kneeling down for black lives matter there'll be a gay pride thing and stuff like that and I, these are all things that i think like well of course i want equality of of races and things and of course i want uh homosexuals to be able to practice and do whatever they want you know I, these are all fan- things that i actually in many cases in many senses you know align myself with but what i really don't like what i find really creepy is this thing of like well what if there are people who don't align with those views and the sixty thousand people at the stadium i want there to be if if people to be free to sort of have homophobic views or anti-semitic views i'm jewish i and i I want them to i don't want to force them to like jews you know it's not even that andrew It's, it's 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 deeper than that so we've lost all sense of nuance so we assume now that if someone doesn't take a knee that they're racist. If someone doesn't declare themselves as an anti-racist, therefore they must yeah. be a racist. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no, no more just not being racist. And it's the same for all of these arguments. You have to be pro-pride or pro-LGBT. You can't just not be homophobic. Like you have yeah. to go and join their club. You have to out yourself as one of them. Otherwise you're the enemy. And that's not how the real world works. The world, real world isn't that binary. There's nuance. And I, I don't think it's good to tribalize people in this way. Yeah, and there are those among us who just simply don't like taking those kinds of orders. And I think you need people like that in society. There's a lot of us like that who don't like to be, it's like we're being tested all the time. And I want to be able to say like, look, I believe all the right things, or maybe I don't, maybe I do. I don't want to have to submit to to you telling me to put a symbol in my name or whatever. Yeah, not at all. And, and that is, it is subjugation. You know, the whole taking the knee was literally subjugation, but all of it is, you know, putting the bios in your pronoun, putting the right flag, um, whether it's EU flag or whatever it is in your, next to your name, it's all a sign that you're in the in club. Yeah. But then, so, so GB News, um, that, that, for those outside of the UK, <coughs> could you explain like the GB News and how that's kicked off in the last sort of year or so, is it? Yes. Um, GB News spawned out of this idea that all of the mainstream media in this country is from the same bias. So it's not left-wing or right-wing. It's very much metropolitan liberal elite. It is the 
you know, the, the same people that voted to remain in the European Union, uh, the same people that are anti-conservative, the same people that are very woke, believe there are 99 genders, the same people that believe that black people are oppressed, all of these things tend to align. And from the BBC's Channel 4, all of the mainstream media seems to be of one group think mentality. And it doesn't seem to connect with the British public. I think that the British public tends to be small C conservative in social issues, you know, believes in common sense, traditional good old fashioned family values, and doesn't want to be lectured at, doesn't want to be told they're a bad person or they're racist for being white, doesn't want to be told that actually there's more than just male and female and, and you have to let men into your little girls' changing rooms. Normal people don't abide by all of this nonsense, right? And so GB News spawned out of the idea that there's a disconnect between the media and the people and that people want to hear a different perspective, not necessarily from a right-wing perspective, but different to what is being peddled nonstop on every other channel. And that's the idea behind it. So we, we have panels of, you know, across the political uh, um, spectrum of people just giving their opinions, as well as the facts, which are also important. So you do get, you know, you get factual news bulletins, but you get people giving their opinions on matters from different uh, angles that you wouldn't normally see elsewhere. You raise an interesting point because we are societally um, perhaps, you know, not we're societally very different to, to what the media shows us and the BBC and Channel 4, Channel 4 in particular, are really, as you say, woke. Um, and yet we vote for the Conservatives time and time again. So why is there that? that divide between what the media is showing. Surely they should be showing people or reflecting people. That would be the more popular thing. Sure. Why, why isn't it? Um, I think there's a cohort of people in this bubble, the Westminster bubble in particular, that genuinely think they know better. I saw this as a teacher all the time. You know, I'd say, you can't, you shouldn't really be pushing your values on these young people. It's you know, their parents' job to give them values. It's your job to give them an education, to give them knowledge. Uh, and they say things like, but what about, what if their parents are bigots? What if their parents are Brexiteers? What, what happens if they go home and their parents are racists? It's like, no, no, no. It's not up to you to say that your values are better than their parents' values. A, child, a parent's job is to educate their child in values. You are there to pass on science, English, maths. And if you're going further than that, you're indoctrinating and it's wrong. And I do think that's what the media is doing. It's looking at us saying, oh, you, you, you sniveling, xenophobic, bigoted, Brexit voters will teach you how to be better people. And it's wrong. Yeah, I get frustrated a lot as well because I've lived abroad a lot. And obviously, a lot of people who live abroad, particularly younger people, tend to be, you know, uh, on, on the, on the, um, on, on the, remain side for example of brexit which i actually was but what what annoyed me was that there was an assumption all the time that it was it was just talked about in a way of just like oh those bloody brexiteers and i thought well yeah. i could i have friends who are that and i could easily have gone that way and i'm not entirely sure about anything like that assumption because we're all good people you know yeah they're the good people and we're not because we're not one of them mm. again it's that tribalism it's that siloing people off into two camps and there's no in between there's no nuance there's no debate there's no conversation either you're one of us or you're the enemy. You know what? I, I, have a, I have a slight bone to pick with GB News in, in particular. Go on, man. Because the, there, was that, there was that bit when, you know, Guto Harry, he took oh. the knee. And oh. I, 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 I'm totally on board with you with the taking of the knee, that being absurd. Um, yeah. But then was, what happened with him next? Was he, was he fired did, or did he quit? I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I, I thought that as wrong as it was for him to take the knee, it was his right to do so. And he was expressing his freedom of uh, well, expression. He was just wrong. And that's, yeah. that should have been debated. That should have been a conversation. 
I don't think we should silence or shut people down for making the wrong decisions. That's because that's what the opposition do, and we're better than that. Yeah, and I don't know how the conversation what... went. I don't think it uh, okay. was. Right, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel the same way as you. And I guess some people, and the concern with GB News, as I'm sure you'll have heard, the concern is that it could become too far the other way, you know. And do, do you worry about that sometimes? No, no. You know, people say, oh, it's going to turn into a Fox News or something. I wish it would. No, not at all. It's, it's, it's far too balanced and it will remain balanced. Hmm. Except when he did that, then he had to get off the channel, didn't he? But we don't know if he left or we don't know how the conversation went. And that was early days anyway. It's a a baby. It's just starting out. Um, Mm. I I don't think anyone's privy to to Gutter's opinion. But, you know, he's now now doing his PR stuff with the uh, the Tory government. So he's he's settled on his feet. Yeah, well, good good for him. I mean, what about um, Andrew Neil then? Because he was obviously disappointed with how it turned out as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he turned out to be a massive letdown. I think Andrew Neil is establishment. He is part of that metropolitan liberal elite. He's been you know, earning six to seven figures, no, seven to eight figures from uh, the mainstream media for decades. He was upset that the private jet that they gave him at GB News wasn't big enough, wasn't used to his, you know, to his, it wasn't to his taste or his standards. Um, he, I, I think what he wanted GB News to be was primetime BBC, what the BBC used to be back in his heyday, um, when it was better than it is now. And I think he he wanted it to be his legacy. And it wasn't supposed to be the BBC. It never was supposed to be the BBC. It's supposed to be an alternative perspective. And I think he was disappointed by that. I I don't think he liked some of the voices. In fact, he made it clear he didn't like some of the voices on there. But that's the point of GB. It's supposed to give you different voices that you wouldn't hear elsewhere. And the fact that when he stormed off in his tantrum and left, he threw his former colleagues under the bus, I, I found that disgusting. You know, he's a seasoned professional. He, a lot of people joined the channel because of him, because they looked up to him as a professional journalist. And he name dropped them, uh, some of the newbie presenters, and looked down his nose at them. And I thought that was, that was a bad, that's a sign of a bad person. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, do you do you, do you know him personally? Have you met? Have you, do you guys not? I've met him. Yet? I don't. I'm not his friend. Um, I won't really want to be at this point, to be honest with you. Ah, well, there you go. Um, don't want to bump into him then, because it'd be awkward. Well, I wouldn't want to bump into him because it would bloody hurt. Have you seen the size of the guy? Oh God! <laughs> no, I've had enough ad hominem attacks today in the, in the <laughs> flat Earth chat. Um, you headed up the defund the BBC hashtag. I get wound up by this because, and everyone tells me I'm wrong about this, but I do get wound up that I've got to pay for the BBC because um, mm. I do. The way they treated me personally was very much like it was a business. They they hardly paid me anything for my document, and everyone talks about it like it's somehow not a bit. It's like something beyond a business. It's like this special thing that helps people out, and they're paying Gary Lineker, who I don't have. You know, he does this. I like him as a footballer. Um, they're paying him. You know exorbitant amounts and they they just screwed me over totally and i just thought that's fine if you're a business so which one are they what are they what is the bbc yeah this is the issue isn't it this should we have a public broadcaster should we have a news station that is owned and run by the government essentially paid for by the taxpayer i don't think we should Uh, i think that's susceptible to propaganda i don't think it really screams free press but also if you want to have that, fair enough, but have it more democratic. The, the way the BBC is run at the moment, the idea that you are taxed, essentially, for a BBC licence fee, and if you don't 
opt into that. And it's not even an opt-in. You, you have to forcefully opt yourself out. But if you're not as part of their payment system, you are hounded under threat of prosecution. The magistrate's courts are clogged up with people uh, due to the BBC issuing um, summons on them based on the license fee. They go after vulnerable groups. They particularly tend to go after women. There are more women fined by the BBC than are prosecuted oh. under any other act of law in this country, which is astonishing i think like 70 percent of prosecutions from the bbc are women whereas it's 20 percent of all other prosecutions in the, in the land um and just the idea that look if the bbc is making great content let people choose to pay for it just as we do for everything else don't assume that we're going to pay for it based on everything else that we watch if i want to watch sky for the football or if i want to watch um channel four for big brother or whatever why should i be paying the bbc for the privilege of that it's, it's an outdated model that just doesn't make any sense in the modern world yeah, I think so. And it wound me up because I was just not going to pay it. But then my girlfriend insisted and said I was, you know, being stubborn and she didn't want to get in trouble and all that stuff. And I suppose if they are going after people, maybe maybe she did the right thing in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, just, I just think the argument for them no longer exists. For the BBC to make original content, they're supposed to inform, educate and entertain. And that was great back in the day when there were only two channels and that's what they did. But these days they're competing with other commercial outlets. So let's let them compete on the open market. And if they're really producing great content, people will choose to pay for them and they'll thrive. And if they're not, they'll have to change to adapt to what the audience wants. Rather than lecturing us and telling us how to live our lives and how to be better people, they will have to meet a market that wants the content that they're producing. Yeah, I think so. Tell me about um, Christianity and wokeness. There, there must be a bit of a divide at GB News because um, you've got people, I know you're you're a proud Christian, but then you've got people like Andrew Doyle, who I believe is an atheist. And Do you all get on with each other? Are you able to sort of put aside differences in that sense? Yeah, I'll make this one my last one because I've got to go. But Andrew Doyle is fantastic. Love him. Great chap. Um, you know, this is what I mean about different perspectives. It's people come from it from different views. I happen to be a Christian, which is why I believe in GB News, which is why I believe it in in giving the British people a voice um, and fighting against all the woke nonsense that's infested our society and our culture. But other people have different reasons. Uh, and that's great. And we all work together on that same mission. It is very missional. It is about making a difference and making this country a better place. It's not just about entertaining. It's not just about producing content. And that's why I love it. You know, there are there are a few other outlets doing similar stuff, but not for the same reasons. Thanks to the super smart, super funny Calvin Robinson. It was a pleasure to speak to you, my friend. As I say, I was just going to speak to Calvin uh, about where we differ, which is in our views on religion and how religion should influence society and policies, but he had to go at that point. But it was still a great fun chat and I hope to speak to Calvin again. Do follow him on at Calvin Robinson on Twitter and catch him on GB News, where he's talking to all sorts of weird and strange people. Do support this show by signing up to my Patreon at patreon.com slash andrewgold. There you'll get these three episodes a week that you're getting now totally ad-free. I've been finding it harder to suggest to guests that they do some homework for my bonus questions, but I am getting quite a few back in there in the next coming few weeks or whatever, so now and then there'll be bonus parts on there tacked on to the end of the normal episodes. But the main thing I think for my Patreon is you're getting totally ads-free content for all three episodes every week, and it's a way of supporting the show, getting in touch with me. It's really lovely, very much appreciated, and we're 
forming a bit of a community on Patreon. Shout out to my newest patrons, that's Helen P and Rowan S absolute legends do keep reviewing on Castbox and apple thank you very much to nathaniel smith who wrote great episode i don't know what that which episode it was about it never tells me great episode hurt people hurt people so let's try not to hurt people people that's a nice one from nathaniel smith i imagine that is actually lauren manning um who became a far right person and uh, sort of neo-nazi stuff and that's because she was hurt herself and she hurt others and now has come back from that thank you very much to hillsy24 in the us who gave five stars on apple and wrote hi andrew thank you so much for making this pod i love the offbeat and frequently avoided topics that you cover i've especially enjoyed your interviews with psychopaths it's so rare to get to hear a first-hand perspective of people with aspd that's antisocial personality disorder i was curious if you've heard of Kanika Batra, she makes YouTube videos about having antisocial personality disorder and categorizes herself as a sociopath rather than a psychopath. I'd love to hear an interview of her on your podcast. Thanks again for all of the entertainment and interesting perspectives. I hadn't heard of Kanika Batra and I'm going to look her up and see if I can get her on the show because that sounds fascinating. Love talking to the psychopaths. That was M.E. Thomas, who I've had two episodes with, and Dr. Jim Fallon, the neuroscientist who realized he was a psychopath himself. Mary Mandolin is another one who wrote, I hope you will do a bite-sized analysis of the Amber Heard testimony to give balance. That's because I did one on Johnny Depp. Um, I should do one on Amber Heard. I can't really, I just, you know, I've stopped doing those little bite-sized actually for now because I'm just using these longer episodes from uh, that I do in the week with Sean. So I might not get to do that, but I would say Amber Heard is not coming across very well, is she? Thanks for all your support, everyone. Thank you to Calvin Robinson. You've been on the edge this Saturday, and I'll see you Monday. See you Monday, everyone. Have a lovely Sunday, and see you Monday. Bye-bye.